I saw an absolutely exquisite piece from my grandfather, blessed memory, on Pesach, Passover, and on the Exodus, and especially on the original Pesach, the original Exodus from Egypt. And this piece, not only does it illuminate the upcoming festival of Pesach, and not only will it enhance our understanding and appreciation of this momentous festival, but I also think that it will totally give us a deeper recognition and appreciation of why we left Egypt. We left Egypt to become the Umadi's people. We left Egypt to get to Sinai. We left Egypt to become the nation that continues and ultimately fulfills the mission of Abraham. We have Torah. We have mitzvos. What are they supposed to do to us? How are they supposed to influence the world? That is the content of this piece. It really moved me, and I'm very excited to share it with y'all today, and I'll give my own interpretation, and maybe add some insights at the very end. So we read in chapter 12 of the book of Exodus that Moses tells the Jewish people to take a sheep and guard it for four days before you slaughter it on the eve of the Exodus on the 14th day of Nisan. And Rashi tells us, very interesting Rashi, that this requirement to pick up the pastoral offering and guard it for four days before you slaughter it, that only happened once. Only in Pesach Mitzrayim, only in the Passover celebrated in Mitzrayim in Egypt was this requirement active. But every other subsequent Pesach, there's no need to pick up the pastoral offering before you need to slaughter it. And why? Why was it so critical in Egypt to have this four days of preparation? Says Rashi, quoting a verse in Ezekiel that God said, so to speak, that now is the time for the Exodus. This is what I promised Abraham, that I'm going to redeem his descendants after their multi-century suffering and servitude in Egypt. So the time is ripe. I'm going to save them now. But they don't have any mitzvos to occupy themselves with, i.e. they have no merits that could warrant and justify being saved. And therefore, I'm going to give them two mitzvahs, the mitzvah of the blood of Pesach and the mitzvah of the blood of circumcision. And therefore, we're going to do a lot more stuff with this mitzvah of of the Pesach offering in order to boost the spiritual matter of the Jewish people and in order to facilitate the exodus. And the reason for this tells us Rashi is because the Jewish people, they were immersed in idolatry. They were behaviorally indistinguishable from their Egyptian neighbors, and therefore it's important for them to withdraw from their idols and slaughter their pagan deity, and instead of taking a sheep and worshiping it as an idol, take a sheep and sacrifice it to God. That's what Rashi tells us. The Jewish people were destined to be redeemed. They were going to be saved. But they were empty. They were naked. They were bereft of any mitzvos. And therefore, in order for them to become worthy of redemption, they need to be occupied with mitzvos, and they might give them two mitzvos, and not just any mitzvos, the blood of the Pesach sheep and the blood of the circumcision. And here's the question. The Almighty wants to fill up the Jewish people with mitzvos. If you don't have mitzvos, if you're empty, if you're bereft of mitzvos, you can't have the miracle happen to you. But why specifically these two? The blood of Pesach, the blood of circumcision, couldn't there be other mitzvos that would also fill you up with merit? 
like Shabbos and Mezuzah, Kosher and Tefillin, Shatnez, Torah study, blessings, sacrifices. There are many mitzvahs in the Torah that you would imagine would qualify if the only problem here is that we need to engorge the Jewish people with mitzvahs. They're empty. we got to fill them up with mitzvahs. Well, there's other candidates. Why specifically the blood of Pesach, the blood of the Pesach offering, and the blood of circumcision? Now, in Parsha's bow, we spoke about this subject at length on the Parsha podcast. I think it's worthwhile to give it a listen. We talked about how these two mitzvahs demonstrate self-sacrifice, how the Jewish people were willing to follow in Abraham's footsteps, and the only way the Exodus could happen is if the Jewish people demonstrate that they too, despite the fact that they've been hundreds of years immersed in Egypt and in idolatry, they still maintain Abraham's qualities. But I present now another approach that I heard from my grandfather, a blessed memory. And this approach, I think, gives a very neat framework for Torah and mitzvos. And like I said earlier, it shows what Torah is trying to do to us. So it begins with a fascinating teaching in the Talmud of the book of Menachos, page 43b. And it says as follows, Chaviv in Yisrael, beloved is Israel, that the Almighty surrounded us, he enveloped us, he encircled us with mitzvos. We're so beloved. Everywhere we go, we're just surrounded by mitzvos. We have tefillin on our heads. We have tefillin on our arms. We have tzitzis, the fringes, on our garments. We have a mezuzah on our doorpost. Wherever you go, you're surrounded with mitzvos. And King David was so delighted that he's always surrounded by mitzvos that he said, the verse in Psalms 119, seven times a day, I have praised you because of your just rules. We're a special people. The Almighty loves us. And he surrounded us with mitzvos. Continues the Talmud. And then David went to the bathhouse and he saw himself standing naked and he no longer is wearing his tefillin, not on his head, not on his arm. And he no longer has his tzitzis on. He's naked after all. And he's in a bathhouse that doesn't have a mezuzah in the door. And he said, woe to me, for I am standing naked without any mitzvahs. And then he remembered the one mitzvah that he still had with him. He remembered the circumcision in his flesh. And he was calmed. He was placated. He was aswashed. He was mollified. And after he left the bathhouse, he composed another psalm. This is not the psalm, I praise you seven times for your just rule. This is Lam al Hashminis. This is a praise, a song on the eighth day or on the circumcision that happens on the eighth day. Mizmor Ladavid, that's a song for David. What an interesting episode. David is delighted with all the mitzvahs that surround us. And he composes a prayer. Sheva Bayom Ticha, I praise you seven times. And then he has this episode in the bathhouse, and he's so sad, and he says, Woe to me, I don't have any mitzvahs. And he remembers there's one mitzvah that he still has with him. And that's the circumcision. And he composes the new prayer, Lam Natsech Alashminis, a prayer 
and a thanks and a song of thanks on the eight. So what does this mean that David is worried and is mourning almost? Woe to me! I am naked without mitzvos. Don't we know, doesn't he know, that you're not allowed to study Torah in a bathhouse? And you're not even allowed to do mitzvos when you're not properly attired for it. So what's David's problem? So my grandfather explains a very deep point. David's problem was the fact that if there's a time and a place that a person by law is totally divorced from all mitzvos, is totally divorced from a deep connection with the Almighty, well then, that proves that mitzvos are not essential. They're not essential to who you are. If it's possible for you to shake yourself free of mitzvos, if it's possible for you to shake yourself free of this deep, intimate connection with the Almighty, well, that necessarily shows, that demonstrates that it's not essential to who you are. It is something that you have. It's maybe a spiritual accessory, but it's not you. If there's a time, if there's a place, if the bathhouse and you're naked and there's no mitzvah surrounding you, well, then it's not you. It's something that you add on top of you. And that's what David is worried about. And then he realized there's one mitzvah that accompanies you at all times, and that's the circumcision. That is the stamp of God that is etched into our flesh. And then he realizes that there's some influence of the Almighty and of mitzvos that's with you at all times, and you can never shake yourself free of it. Mitzvos, indeed, are essential. There's a very deep idea here. There's two types of mitzvos. There are mitzvos that I call environmental mitzvos, mitzvos that are around you, mitzvos that surround you. They're not you, but are always in your proximity. And they forge for us an environment of holiness. And then there are mitzvos that are bound to who we are. They are essential mitzvos. And they are with you at all times. What's circumcision? Circumcision is when you cut away the blockades and you reveal the essential holiness inherent in each one of us. Of course, this is not just a physical thing. The verse tells us that we're supposed to cut away the foreskin of our heart. We are Jews. We have a soul. We have holiness baked into us, but it's covered. And the circumcision symbolizes the fact that we're supposed to kind of remove the blockades and allow our inherent holiness to surface, to come forth. And this gives us an eternal connection with the Almighty. My grandfather quotes the exciting and terrifying Talmud in the book of Erevin 19a. And the Talmud tells us that Abraham sits at the door of Gehenom, of purgatory, And if he sees a Jew who is circumcised, he says, I'm sorry, you're not allowed in. He saves all of us who are circumcised from hell. But if there's a Jew who has done so many sins that Abraham doesn't recognize him, then he's allowed into Gehenna. 
what this is telling us is that there's something essential about us. There's holiness that's inherent to us that protects us forever. And no matter what happens to us, no matter where we go, there is holiness that accompanies us. And even if we sin, the Talmud tells us, even if someone sins, Yisrael, who he's still an Israelite, he's still a Jew, he still has the holiness. There is essential, inherent holiness within us. But it's blockaded. And circumcision represents the type of mitzvos that are about removing the blockades and allowing that holiness to blossom, to emerge, to flourish, to come forth, and to be connected to us on a conscious level. The Talmud actually says that Torah is connected to circumcision, meaning that just like we have inherent holiness within us, in our soul, there's Torah as well. And when we connect to Torah and we discover Torah and we have a new insight or a novel understanding in Torah, that is actually a revelation of the inherent holiness and inherent Torah that we always have within us. We pray, give us our portion in Torah. Give us our portion. We have a portion, it's ours, but we still need to get it. It's ours because it's within us. We need to get it because it's blockaded. Torah and circumcision are both mitzvos that highlight our essential holiness, our essential fundamental Abrahamic deep connection to God. And we got to remove away both the physical foreskin and the spiritual foreskin of the heart and allow that to flourish. And then my grandfather added prayer. When someone prays from the depths of their heart, love of God, fear of God, love of humanity, piety, humility, these are all characteristics that we already have. We have them. They're within us. They're baked deep into our heart. They're part of the characteristics of our soul. These are the mitzvahs that represent the holiness of the Jew inherently. And our job with mitzvahs, as symbolized by the circumcision, is to remove away all the things that stop it, all the things that inhibit it, and allow it to flourish. And these things are never restricted to time and space and location. No matter where you are, no matter how proverbially or literally naked you may be, these mitzvos are still present. These are the essential mitzvos. And then there are the environmental mitzvos. The tefillin on your head, like we mentioned, the tefillin on your arm, the tzitzis, the mezuzah. My grandfather quotes an amazing rambam that describes these mitzvos as signposts, as markers to be outside of you. They're not essential to who you are. They're outside of you. But every time you encounter them in the greater world, every time they enter your purview, you're supposed to remember God. Every time you go through a door, go through a doorpost, and you see a mezuzah, you're supposed to have a confrontation, if you will, an encounter with the Almighty. Every time you have tefillin on your head, every time you have tzitzis on your garments, all these mitzvos that are the environmental mitzvos 
are there to be these signposts externally for us to connect to God. Mariafa pointed out, if you look at David's prayer for both of these categories of mitzvos, first he thanks God seven times for all the mitzvos, and then he thanks God the eighth time. And one of the most basic ideas in the Kabbalistic literature is that seven always corresponds to natural, and eight always corresponds to supernatural. Like Shabbos, Shemitah, counting of the Omer, the Menorah in the temple, these all had seven because they are about perfecting the natural world. And then you have mitzvahs that are associated with eight, like circumcision, like Shemini Atzeres, like Shavuos, which is 50, and 50 and 8 are the same number Kabbalistically because 8 is 7 plus 1 and 50 is 7 times 7 plus 1. And these mitzvahs are about the portal to the supernatural. And it's interesting that the flip side is the same as well. Just like we're trying to connect to holiness internally and externally, the counterforce, which was what we call the Sahara, the evil inclination, the counterforce also exists on both levels. We have an internal Sahara, and we have an external Sahara. The Talmud tells us the Yetzirah only desires, the evil inclination only desires what your eyes see. There is a component, there's an aspect of the Sahara that only interfaces with what is around you. It's not internally motivated. It's not internally oriented. It's externally oriented. And then there are parts of the Yitzhahara that are internal, that try to get a foothold, try to get a beachhead within your heart. And they are there to try to combat, so to speak, the essential mitzvos. So we have internal mitzvos, essential mitzvos, and an internal nemesis the internal Yitzhara, and then we have the environmental mitzvos, the external mitzvos, and we have the external Yitzhara. On those two fronts does our spiritual life and spiritual conflict exist. So let's get back to the Exodus. The Almighty tells Moshe, the people have to go. It's the time for them to go. I promised this to Abraham that they're going to go now but they're empty of mitzvos. And I'm going to give them two mitzvos for them to fulfill. The blood of Pesach and the blood of circumcision. And on the night of the 14th, which is the eve before the Exodus, which is on the 15th, they all circumcised. And what else did they do that night? They took this animal and they slaughtered it. And what did they do with it? They took the blood and they put it on their doorpost. And they put it on the lintel. They put it exactly where the mezuzah belongs. In order for them to leave, they have to do both types of mitzvahs. They have to do an internal mitzvah like circumcision. They have to recognize that they have internal holiness within them that must be brought to the surface. And that's the blood of the circumcision. And then there is the External mitzvahs, the idea of being surrounded in an environment of mitzvahs, and that is the blood of the Pesach. And in order for the Exodus to happen, you need both. It starts off 
with the recognition of the essential Abrahamic holiness inherent within each and every one of us. And that, of course, is the circumcision. And once you have that, and now you want to complete, so to speak, your spiritual agenda, your spiritual architecture, it's time to bring that outside of you. It's time to foster an environment of holiness as well. Take the blood of the Pesach and put it on your doorpost. This is the focus of Pesach. Pesach, of course, is the founding event, or at least it memorializes, it reenacts the founding of our nation. And our nation was founded at the Exodus. Why? This goes back to Abraham. To accomplish a certain goal. To be the Almighty's representatives in this world. To be the nation who completes the mission that Abraham undertook and brings the world to perfection. That is why we were taken out of Egypt. Like we mentioned in other podcasts, we think that we had to leave Egypt. Oh, but now that we left, let's do some mitzvos. If you look at Rashi, Rashi tells us the opposite. We had to do the mitzvos. We had to accomplish a certain goal. And that's why they might took us out. It's not that, oh, you know, let's remember the Exodus and therefore let's have the matzah. No, we needed the matzah, we needed the mitzvos, and therefore the Mai says, let me do the Exodus. The Exodus was for a purpose. And we had to be initiated into that. If you leave and you don't have the blood of Pesach and the blood of circumcision, of Brismila, well, then you're thinking that the Exodus is about the Exodus. Says Yamadi, no, before you go, you have to know exactly why you're going out. You're going out to be my people. What does it mean to be the Mani's people? It means to do missus. Well, what does that mean? It means two things. It means to recognize you have inherent holiness within you, and to recognize that you have to bring that out to the surface by creating an environment of holiness around you. If you are following the lesson of the blood of Pesach and the blood of circumcision, you have like a, a spiritual halo surrounding you. You're going to be imbuing the world with this penumbra of holiness because you have holiness within and you have holiness without. And you are a walking testament to what Abraham began. I think it's interesting, this is my edition, that there are two mitzvos that are positive mitzvahs, i.e. the tells us do something, as opposed to negative mitzvahs, which are restrictions. And there's only two mitzvahs that are positive mitzvahs that contain the punishment, if someone does not fulfill them, of kares, i.e. spiritual disenfranchisement, being cut off from the Jewish people. There's many negative mitzvahs, violations, that if someone, God forbid, transgresses them, the Torah says you're cut off from the Jewish people. There's only two positive mitzvahs that contain that same stringency, that same severity. And they are circumcision and Passover, Pesach, carbon Pesach, the Paschal offering. Why these two? Kind of wonder, right? Of all the mitzvahs, a lot of mitzvahs, a lot of important mitzvahs. And a lot of them are very important, very severe, very strict. Yet none of them have that same severity. Maybe we can suggest the initiation of Jewish people was these two things, was 
the blood of Pesach, the blood of circumcision. What happens if someone repudiates these two things? Someone says, I'm not interested in circumcision, I'm not interested in Pesach. Well, then in effect, they are reneging upon the Exodus itself. They're undoing the Exodus within them, and therefore they are like people that existed before the Exodus. And if you were in Egypt before the formation of the nation, well, then you're not part of the nation. The nation has not even begun yet. These are the bedrocks, the foundations of our nation. If you say, I don't want it, okay, you don't have the foundation, you're not part of this of this nation. There's a very deep observation that I have. There are two mitzvos that are universally observed amongst really the entire strata of the Jewish people. The most religious, the least religious people that have checked out of religion for a long time already, people that are ignorant about Torah and Judaism. There's two things that almost all Jews observe, and that is circumcision and Pesach. Everyone has a Pesach Seder, and even though there are other festivals out there, there's Sukkot and there's Shavuot, most Jews who are not fully observant or not observant, they don't observe those. But Pesach, everyone has a Seder. And there's many other mitzvahs that we have, and many Jews, thank God, observe them, and some Jews don't, but everyone Get circumcised. Almost everyone gets circumcised. And if you just, you know, if you were an alien and you were dropped into this world and you had to predict which mitzvahs would be the last ones to be abandoned by people who abandon Torah, you would think that circumcision may be one of the first ones. You know, like uh, the anti-Semites say, well, it's uh, mutilation. Well, it's barbaric. It's bloodletting. Yet... People stick to it, no matter how far they may have strayed. They drop Torah study, they drop Shabbos, they drop Tefillin, even Mezuzah, but they still circumcise their children. Pesach and circumcision stick. And I think that people don't even know why they do it. You know, how many people do we know that they go to the Seder every year and they hate it? And they're like, let's get this over with. It's taking too long. You're doing too much ceremony and ritual. Let's get to the food. And the food is kind of, you know, it's matzah, very expensive crackers. Some people really like it, but most people don't. The question is like, why are they there? People don't believe in God. People don't do any mitzvahs or any religious observance. Why are they there? Explain it to me. Why do they go over here? Why do they insist they have a Pesach Seder? This is the answer. This was the first thing that our nation did. This is the initiation of our people. And this is the one thing that if you renege upon, if you opt out, the Torah says, okay, you're done. You don't want to be part of this. You don't want to participate in the Exodus. Okay, so you revert back to the way you were pre-Exodus and you're not part of the people. It's the first thing that we get And it's also the last thing that we lose because the Jewish soul is unwilling to allow people to lose their status as Jews. And therefore, you'll have people 
who don't understand and cannot logically, rationally explain why they have to participate every year in the Seder, why they circumcise their kids, but they do it. And they feel obligated to do it because this is where you reach the point of no return because this was the first step. So I think we really picked up on a, on a very nice concept that, of course, relates to Pesach, but it relates really to life as a Jew. We started off our tenure as a people with two mitzvahs, with one mitzvah that indicates that we are essentially holy. We have a deep, intimate connection with the Almighty going back to Abraham. And you know what? It's covered up, but we remove the cover. We take away those inhibitions and we allow that to surface and to blossom. And that's the circumcision and the many mitzvahs that are part of that a general category. And then you have another category, and that's environmental mitzvos. And that is indicated by the blood that we put on our doorpost, facing outwardly to say that it's not enough for someone to be essentially holy, but to be immersed in a very unholy environment. You have to take your environment as well and uplift that. And these two Categories represent our spiritual agenda. It was our first step as a nation. It's the last thing that we lose. And this is why the Almighty put us here. Why did he put us here? Why did he give us the Torah? Why do we have the Exodus? To be walking representations of God. To be walking representations of holiness, of essential holiness, of kindness, of kindness to the people to be souls walking around with regular standard-issue humans. So the hope and the prayer is that we take this message to heart. We recognize the holiness that we have within us and the mandate that we have to unearth and expose that holiness and also to take that and to spread it around us, to create an environment of holiness around us and also to spread the message Forward, And if we do that, the Almighty says, okay, it was worthwhile to the Exodus. These, these people, this nation is indeed continuing and hopefully completing what Abraham began. I hope you enjoyed. Have an incredible rest of your day, an incredible festival of Pesach. And as always, my email address is rabbi.com. I look forward to hearing your questions, your comments, and your feedback of any sort.